0: Break, break breakthrough breakthrough breakthrough. Break, breakthrough, breakthrough. Break, breakthrough 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 breakthrough. You are now listening to Breakthrough News. It's 5 p.m. You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this the punch out we're following the news all day so you don't have to giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be and yes we are back here on the punch out on 125 21 25th of January, 2021. Sorry, I had to check the date on that one. Man, the quarantine time is getting us all. Either way, happy to be back with you on this Monday. Hopefully you had a great weekend. Hopefully your day's going so well. And if not, hopefully we can improve it a little bit here with some crucial, important news, as we always do on The Punch Out. We're going to be talking about... uh, in Russia over the weekend over Alexei Navalny and how he may not be exactly who the media is telling you he is. We're going to be talking about the serious death toll that climate change is already taking on many communities around the world. And before we get to those two important stories, we're going to go to the city of Chicago, the Windy City, where there's a major struggle breaking out over COVID-19 and public health and unions are really standing on the ramparts protecting students, families and the community. And Yes, that's right. The city of Chicago this morning backed away from a decision that they were going to bring back 10,000 teachers in a large-scale school reopening. They wanted the teachers to come back in preparation for uh, what they claim is going to be many tens of thousands of students that are going to return in just a couple weeks more. And of this was a huge issue, of course, because obviously COVID-19 continues to surge. And the union had been pointing out for the week leading up to this that it was totally unsafe to go back in this context, at the preparations had not been appropriately made, and that the a couple of weeks ago, they forced special education teachers to do the same thing, and they were pointing out how that showed that, again, the preparations had not been made, and there shouldn't be a widespread return unless there was appropriate COVID-19 precautions. Now- Teachers are adamant that this is not a strike. So much so that late last week, large numbers of them taught online, outside, in the freezing Chicago winter to show their willingness to work, just not to submit students, their families and school staff and their families at just unnecessary risk here. Uh, The city, however, is claiming it's a strike. Ultimately, they want to make it easier to retaliate against teachers speaking out for public health and to try to muddy the waters about what this is really about. Maybe it's about some other suspicious demand, some other greedy you. union thing and it's not really about what they're saying which is public health but the union has made a few key points that have to be considered here and really should be the main ones first they were demanding that CDC guidelines be what the school system uses to reopen or for their reopening process and the city refused that they refused to use CDC guidelines second the union notes that only 19% of students are set to return in person soon and that means that the 10,000 staff the city is demanding return is too large there's not that many it's unnecessary The union proposed a different plan, which was to start staffing schools as teachers become vaccinated. And by the way, in other places, they're vaccinating the teachers, you know, pretty much first, um... In Chicago, they haven't even vaccinated the people who work for the school system who are eligible. That's as of Saturday. Nevertheless, um, the, uh, what the union was proposing is that the teachers become vaccinated and that they then go back and that they scale up the staffing based on that and that they focus it mainly on those who are having the toughest time with online learning, working class students in black and Latino communities. And so more or less, you'd have a scaled reopening that would be very safe, that would be thinking about all these critical things with this new strain of the coronavirus is out there, uh, And that also would be aimed towards, as capacity comes online in a limited way, going towards those who are the most vulnerable from the effects of poverty, quite frankly, and why they're unable to access the internet and other critical elements that, that make online learning a thing. Either way. The city was completely against all those things, and now they have forced the teachers to, you know, make this action and agree to work online but not in schools. So, I mean, here we are in Chicago, 400,000 dead from the coronavirus so far in the United States, 400,000 dead. As I already mentioned, you got a new variant. It's spreading quicker. It could be more deadly, they're saying. We don't know that yet. And somehow, for some reason, the city of Chicago is trying to force tens of thousands of people back into enclosed spaces and moving around around the city without much more than the most most basic precautions and as the union tells it they're not even meeting that basic goal that they claim they are on paper but instead are trying to blame teachers for caring enough about their community to raise their voices about unsafe practices now they're claiming the school this the, 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 well, the school system that is, CPS, that they are going to push people to come back on Wednesday, and that essentially, if you don't come back on Wednesday, you'll be locked out. I mean, that's what the real uh, effect of it is that they'll be locking out workers who refuse to participate in this, this public health disaster being perpetuated by the Chicago City schools. However, they back down today, and we will see if they back down again on Wednesday or meet the demands of the union, which are certainly imminently reasonable at a time where all of us are facing such serious peril. a new analysis out there has sought to quantify how many people have been killed by extreme weather events linked to climate change in the last 20 years. In some ways, what's been a lot of the real human effect of climate change really bringing many of these different uh, and more frequent extreme weather events to us. And what did they find? Well, they found that almost half a million people have died in almost 11,000 different extreme weather events that they tracked. And they noted that Puerto Rico, Myanmar, and Haiti were the hardest hit individual countries. And the particular number there is 480,000 dead. Again, 480,000 dead, 11,000 extreme weather events over the last 20 years, primarily in poor countries in the global south. And- the author of this—one of the co-authors of this study, excuse me, which was done by a think tank called German Watch, David Eckstein, uh, noted exactly that about where the the majority of the death toll um, was taking place. He said to Al Jazeera about the study that it shows, quote, that poor, vulnerable countries face particularly great challenges in dealing with the consequences of extreme weather events, end quote. And he went on to note that one key factor in why these deaths actually took place, not just because it was inevitable of, in terms of what was known about what has happened with climate Climate change, but because the richer nations have failed to meet their burden, the $100 billion they promised in the Paris Climate Agreement that Biden is so happy about rejoining and re-signing, that they have failed to bring those tens of billions of dollars to the most vulnerable countries that are often also the poorest to adapt to the challenges that everyone knew was coming, and hundreds of thousands of people are dying because of it. And not to mention, The majority of the people dying in these vulnerable countries are not the people producing the emissions that are causing their deaths. Yet those responsible are not paying. Tropical storms, hurricanes, and cyclones are the biggest culprits here. And uh, they have, I think we've all noticed, been happening much more frequently and with a higher overall intensity and are expected to happen even more frequently. In fact, the number is expected to jump every time global temperatures warm a tenth, a tenth of a degree. As all, of course, reflects the very real human toll of climate change. And it outlines as uh, things are going right now, it's set to increase devastatingly. Ultimately, it's the drive to accumulate wealth that makes it so hard to uproot the fossil fuel industrial complex. And we owe it to those who have given their lives so far to start getting serious about capitalism's role in destroying the climate all the sooner that we can be about the real business of saving. <laughs> Thousands of people were arrested at protests over the weekend in a range of cities in Russia, including the capital city of Moscow. The demonstrators were taking part in events in solidarity with the opposition figure Alexei Navalny, who was jailed recently when he returned to Russia from Germany after being poisoned, which he claims and the Germans claim was carried out by the Russian government. The Russian government is saying they did not do it. His supporters see his arrest on his return as a politi- form of political persecution, and the government is saying that he was violating the terms of his parole from a previous embezzlement conviction, uh, and that the protests themselves were illegal. Navalny always gets huge, massive media attention in the West, and is widely held up to be the principal opposition figure to Russian President Vladimir Putin. They present uh, in the West that is, Navalny as well. I mean, you know, like uh, you and me, I guess, right? Just a progressive guy fighting the good fight, and it plays a big part of the media construction of the broader narrative in the West about the evil Russians. It's certainly an easier case to make when you have this clear hero, good guy to counterpose the so. Called bad guy too Which is what we see Pretty consistently And so quite frankly If you really want to understand What's going on Why you probably should understand A little bit more about Who this guy Alexei Navalny is Ultimately, he isn't the progressive person they're telling you he is, or that how he tries to trick you uh, into being, saying that, you know, he supports Bernie Sanders. I think he said something in favor of Black Lives Matter. But you got to look at the real record here, uh, while he's mainly noted for his anti-corruption campaigning. He is also a noted campaigner against immigrants making various calls for mass deportations. He told The Atlantic Magazine in two thousand and thirteen, One of his major priorities was also cracking down on, quote, ethnically based organized crime groups, end quote. Hmm, I've never heard that one before. He once expressed support for a 2013 race riot. Yes, that's right. A 2013 race riot where skinheads attacked immigrants. Hmm. And as one commentator put it, he has also, quote, made a series of racist statements about Muslims and people from the Caucasus and former Soviet republics in Central Asia. Navalny also isn't really as popular as he's made out to be. He's been polling at about 2% recently and has, as that would imply, a relatively narrow base of support. And whatever the inconsistencies in the Russian elections in and of itself, it's very clear that the extreme right-wing but very oddly named Liberal Democratic Party and the Communist Party are much more significant opposition forces. And in fact, Navalny has recently tried to burnish his reputation by backing their challengers in certain elections, which in the Western media turns into, oh, they only did well because Navalny backed them when it's the other way around. Uh, And also he's toned down his earlier neoliberal rhetoric, very free market, uh, right-wing kind of guy economically as well. But to adapt a little bit more to these more popular opposition parties has been more in line with their more generous economic visions, as it were. Ultimately, the building up of Navalny, the fact that you've probably heard so much about him, but none of what I just said, is to put a positive spin on a bad policy. Opposing a new Cold War with Russia, which is where it seems all the major parties want to take us, isn't about loving Putin. It's about the most responsible way to move the world away from war and destruction, from an endless war drive, this constant enemy politics, rather than global cooperation, which we obviously need more now than ever, given what we just talked about with climate change. But either way, you can't have a war without propaganda. And the morality tale of Navalny versus Putin is designed to make you feel good about a set of policies that actually have nothing to do with freedom and democracy. In fact, the only thing that usually seems to come with them is increasing number of troops in Poland, more nuclear missiles, more giant bombers, and other high-tech boondoggles. So when they're building up all these things about who's who and what's what and who we have to take out, just consider some of what I told you here today.